Hi guys, welcome to a very special Mount Rushmore. You know, every time we sit down in this room to debate the top four of any given topic, uh, Richard and Michael and I talk, but I don't feel like we're really sharing something. I don't feel like we're really getting to know each other. So this week on Mount Rushmore, I chose a topic that will allow them to really get something off their chest. I want to get to know these guys, these bros of mine, in a more intimate way than I ever have before. Still remaining clothed, not breaking our vows to our wives. We're all married and happily thus. But I just want to get to know them. And so I chose a topic, Mount Rushmore of Things Other Than People That Broke Your Heart. It's Mount Rushmore. This is me, Jeff. With me, as always, my good friends, Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Guys, you know the topic. You know what I'm going for. I'm going for the real thing. Okay? Michael, I want you to look me in the eye. I want you to tell me something hurt you that broke your heart. Dinosaurs and feathers. What the hell are you talking about? Hello? Listen, what? We're already off track. What is this? I couldn't get... I, I mean, I started to get a little serious with this, but then at some point I had to... I had to really... I wasn't sure. Are you evading I, emotion? <laughs> what is dinosaurs and feathers? Seriously, dude. Uh, I... Is this another one of your hipster bands <laughs> that had played at Coachella? They're at Coachella. On like the, the third stage. At They're Coachella. at Coachella playing like a five o'clock Saturday <laughs> lineup, but they were also playing later in the week at Ice House. So, oh, sweet. Okay. So I got to see him a second time yeah. then. Um, you bought two shirts, the same shirt. Yeah. Just I, twice. I want to quote a statement from the character Mac from the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia from the episode Reynolds versus, Reynolds versus Reynolds, The Serial Defense. Science is a liar sometimes. <laughs> he used this in this. Uh, I was just watching this clip the other day. Did, by the way, yes, <laughs> that's so this, random. This is the one where where uh, is this one where Mac is trying to argue for evolution? Yeah, he argues that because science is constantly proven proven wrong yeah. by the smartest people in the world at the time, uh, that sometimes science is a liar. Oh. so evolution is wrong. <laughs> Oh wow! It was it was a nonsensical rift in the show with, uh, yeah. about you know and that shows all nonsense. If then if this then that logic that doesn't yes. quite hold up. Okay. Yeah, uh, but one thing that continuously kind of bums me out. I don't know if it breaks my heart, but it gets pretty close to it. Is the kind of uh, realization that all these really cool dinosaurs we had growing up. They're all covered in feathers. Oh, that's so stupid. Yeah, it's, it's lame, and it's like. I don't know if it's a fault of Jurassic Park yeah, or if it's a fault of Michael Crichton mm -hmm. that at some point we got these really cool velociraptors that yeah. came out in the early 90s. And then by the time Jurassic Park 3 came about, they have these goddamn feathers on their head. Oh. But like as, listen, I'm not a science denier. We just had this big science march yeah. <laughs> last week <laughs> that is like, yay, science yeah. and yay, data and yay, let's not ignore things. Yeah. Can you ignore this one? <laughs> Please. Can you get back to when they were just these big, like, lumbering, cool lizards and not, like, potentially just, like, these weird birds? Okay, I have... Have you ever been threatened physically by, like, a goose or something like that? I've been mortified <laughs> by things covered oh, in feathers. this is the best part my... of Jeff Cass. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, share, I didn't say I wasn't going to share some, too. Oh. I have been mortally threatened by a goose once, and this thing hissed at me, and I, I think it wanted the sandwich that was in my hand or something yeah. like that. This feather-bearing creature struck fear into me that I imagine a velociraptor couldn't even match. Mm. Does that fix your hurt, Michael? 
Not really. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> like I'm I'm glad that not all dinosaurs have feathers. Mm-hmm. Like more of the bird like ones, the raptors and the different yeah. things like that. But I don't know. It's just like When did you hear about this? It's been happening for like the last fifteen years. Okay, what's really at stake here? Is it your childhood? Something that you believed in as a childhood? Is it Jurassic Park that's <laughs> all screwed up for you now? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, all of it. It's it's a weird. Yeah, I think childhood definitely has a. Part Are you gonna of have it. to you, go re redraw those pictures on your notebook? <laughs> uh, yeah the the uh, the paper bag that I used to cover my history textbook <laughs> when I had to wrap it and then tape it yeah, and then yeah. I could draw on it with like a, a, a sharpie. Now that now the dinosaurs and the T Rex and the Brontosaurus, which doesn't exist anymore, guys, not a thing. Are you serious? Brontosaurus is gone. It, oh, it wasn't wow. even covered in feathers. It didn't really exist to begin with. Oh wow! But I think science is just one of those things that, uh, kind of always just allowing to tinker with itself and yeah. revise itself. And now it's just revised itself to the point where mm-hmm. a number of these, like I was looking cool on, uh, yeah, there's like forty or close to fifty of these things that they've discovered. These non-avian. Yeah, because you know, there's there's the ones like the Archaeopteryx. I'm gonna butcher that, and all. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, internet, and all you dinosaur nerds out there. Archaeopteryx was uh, in Harry Potter, wasn't it? The spell, right? <laughs> um, what what does that is that a, a lizard like um, bird? Bird, okay. Yeah, and like I okay, I can accept. I accept that there are some, mm-hmm. but all of these that they keep coming out, like like Velociraptor. Yeah, they're like completely covered in feathers. Oh, not all the fossil records like show that, but enough have come out where it's like this is this big goose that's running after you, <laughs> six foot goose, and like they even joke about it in Jurassic Park, right? Where they're like, oh, imagine like this giant turkey, like, okay, but you can imagine it as a lizard, yeah, not as this damn feather covered <laughs> jackass, and that just bums me out, just kind of like, it, I think it is, I think it's like a death of childhood sort of thing yeah. where you're just like oh, all the toys you played with, all the. Just the images that you come up with. Like, I remember I had like all, you know, I had dinosaur books like everybody, every Mm -hmm. kid did growing up. And I had ones that talked about all of like the weird dinosaurs too that were like, who was that big armadillo one? Richard, you're a dinosaur Triceratops? No, no, no. no. Uh, Like Euphocephalus or Ankylosaurus or one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ankylosaurus. That's what I was thinking. My favorite dinosaur. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. When you have kids, by the way, Michael, you will be forced to have favorite dinosaurs. (laughs) This is a repeat for you. You were like, the last time you were like, hey, I know. I have kids. I know about dinosaurs. (laughs) Yeah, trust me. Trust me. So you you watched Vivian that one time and she was... You must you must shut up about them. Richard. Congratulations. You have a healthy baby girl and you're an honorary paleontologist. Pretty much. Well, do your kids, since they've grown up in an age of stupid feathered dinosaurs, do they care like I care? They think it's cool. Oh my god. See, they think it's cool. Uh, get some new kids. Because Sorry, they, they can be, you know, they're starting to realize well, the dinosaurs could have all these like kick ass colors like parrots, you know? So for them they think that's like badass hmm. instead of like just boring gray, you know. Yeah. 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 Reptiles. If T Rex was bearing down on you with his teeth right around your neck and then he spread his wings of his feather like a <laughs> like a beautiful If the last thing you die the last thing you thing you see before you die is basically like a um like a flamboyant yeah. like a Elton John Why are we not coming up with a name of that coming bird? down at you? Well okay. Peacock. The yeah. peacock of dinosaurs. Well now now that now I'm even more bummed out. Because like I used to you know, you imagine these dinosaurs. As like these these killing machines and they're jumping on each other and tearing at their throats. And now, okay, they obviously have like 
creepy mating dances, but like, can you imagine T Rex like doing like this butt feather wiggle and jumping up and down? It'd be God, like, like if, these if Freddie Mercury beat you up or something. <laughs> like, oh, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. Thank you for being sincere and thank you for talking to me. And I, I appreciate you being open and thank sharing. Thank you for the banana sticker. <laughs> <laughs> That's one, Richard. All right, so my first one. I had a. I think we all have all had favorite T-shirts. We're we're three T-shirt guys, right? Oh yeah. Oh so God, we've, yeah. We've had favorite T-shirts over the years. Is I'm, it? I'm I'm currently wearing a T-shirt. True story that I found uh, at a kickball game. Wait, is this a true story? Maybe seven or eight years ago. Versus you found your other lies of your stories <laughs> That's that are right. built Wayley on the tells lies. a t-shirt yeah. story. Uh, I found this t-shirt and I love, this is like my Sunday t-shirt, wearing around the house t-shirt <laughs> that I found at, at the park that someone had left there and I tried to return it to the league and no one claimed it. Oh, wow. And now it's mine. And Gar- garbage uh, t-shirt found on a bench. Can you explain what it is? Uh, it is Wimpy from Popeye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, uh, he's holding up a hamburger, and underneath it says, I like big buns. T-shirt <laughs> <laughs> rules. So I would like to, I, I wanted you to mention that specifically because my favorite T-shirt when I was, you know, probably in my mid, early to mid-20s, let's yeah. say. Probably say my mid-20s. Uh, was a Mean Gene Okerlund's uh, burger T-shirt. That's incredible. From Mean Gene Okerlund, the WWF uh, balding announcer. <laughs> <laughs> who, for some reason, they decided to have a start up a restaurant chain of Mean Jeans Burgers. Okay, while you're talking, I'm going to purchase one of these for you on eBay. So. Uh, I am actually on eBay right now. Uh huh. Um, there is a Mean Jeans shirt. There, there's one, and um, it's a size medium. Oh, I ain't squeezing on it. You guys can't see this, but I ain't you wouldn't squeeze go on it a diet s- just for that. <laughs> um, I can maybe get down to a large. Okay. Uh, that, okay. Then, maybe, then maybe I can wear it as like some sort of a crop top sort of thing. What was what was so special about this shirt? Well, it had a the, the it had the logo on front, which was a big picture of Mean Gene Okerlund's head. If nothing's if anything's gonna sell burgers, <laughs> it's a bald guy, a that, bald that wrestling big old announcer. Pie face. <laughs> then on the back, it just said "fresh, hot, and ready," and then I believe <laughs> it had some flames coming out of the hot. And I don't know, it was just the T-shirt that just constantly cracked me up and I would get like the most random responses to it on the street at bars people thought it mm. was just like the coolest fucking t-shirt and I never actually ate at the place mind you mm. now there was one that was in a gas station down the a couple like 20 miles south of where I live mm-hmm. never actually went to it because I'm sure they were not good yeah you know when I was when I was 14 or 15 or 16 something like that um, I got a T-shirt as a birthday present from my friend Eric. It was a Forbidden Planet comic book store T-shirt, this local comic book shop that uh, closed down eventually after like the 94 Northridge earthquake. Uh-huh. And I wore this thing until my 20s, until basically it faded away to the point of you couldn't, like only I knew vaguely what the outline was. Uh-huh. What, what happened to your shirt, Rich? I got got uh, peed on by my cat. Oh, oh. Ah, yeah. I would, came back from this is our first cat, Dino, who was the best cat we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Make, take sure, that other make sure other, take that. Yeah, make sure Sarah. Make sure the other cats aren't listening when they hear <laughs> this. They don't want to break their hearts. But he was just the fucking best. He was a giant uh-huh. tabby. He must have weighed like twenty five pounds. I mean, he was huge. And he, you know, the only bad thing about him was that if he if he got mad at you, like he thought that you would if you'd gone away for a few days on vacation mm-hmm. or. 
hadn't been cleaning the litter box to his exacting uh, specifications, mm-hmm. but just pee in your dirty clothes. Wow. And then just kind of walk away. You know, pretty, pretty typical cat move. That sounds like a mean thing for a cat to do. Yeah. Well, I sh- we should have changed the litter box. Okay. Okay. Fair. Okay. And it sounds like a gene yeah, thing for your cat to That's do. why I paused for a second. Are we going mean gene? Is that sort of a mean gene Just not joke landing or? the pun. I didn't, I'm not sure where we're going with this. And yeah, so I, we came back from some trip and it's like, uh oh, and just went in there. That was whatever had been on the top of the dirty clothes hamper. And yeah, you know, when a cat, when a cat pees on your shirt, there's no coming back from it. Yeah. And that was one where I desperately got out like the vinegar and tried to uh, do everything within my power mm-hmm. to try and rescue it after like two or three washings. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, hon, does, does smell, what do you think about this? And my sinuses are perpetually like fucked up. Oh. So I can't tell so much like hey hun sarah smell this this smell like cat piss so you gotta which by the way that's nothing more romantic than hey hun this smell like cat piss (laughs) well happy anniversary anyway yeah exactly when did this shirt how long did you have it oh i don't know four or five years probably oh so it you in your single day sounds like it oh it wasn't my single days i was and i didn't have single days oh you didn't when did you hook up with sarah oh we hooked up (laughs) um slower Slower. <laughs> Make eye contact with you while you talk about it. Uh, in college, uh, freshman year. So I was oh, 17. Okay. So it wasn't like a, a hookup type shirt. He was just 17 <laughs> wearing a shirt of me mean jeans. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Uh, is it true that this shirt bridged your young cool guy days with your middle-aged cool guy days? Well, I would say it, was, it more bridged sort of the unironic uh, love of wrestling, teenage, early 20s years. Okay. With the then wearing the shirt, ironically, at karaoke bars in Silver Lake oh, in my okay. mid to late 20s. Is a, is that a loss of innocence, a, a gathering of wisdom? Is that a reframing of something? W- were you... I, I used to wear a lot of ironic hipster type sh- t-shirts. Um, he's wearing a, he's wearing a shirt right now where the dog's saying meow, the dog's saying woof. Yeah, this is a shirt I wear because my kids like it. And yeah. the animals say it, different it, it looks like, it looks like a duck saying quack, but it might be a dinosaur. <laughs> and on the bottom, it has like a a uh, unicorn monster thing saying, hello, my name is Craig. There you go. And my kids think it's the funniest shirt ever, so that's why I wear it. <laughs> but I would wear shirts that had like just, you know, instead of the college from uh, uh, Animal, Animal House, House. would just say beer. Oh, okay. I had one that said, I heart Satan. Yeah. I had one that said, New York fucking city. Yeah. Which, by the way, I wore that one a um, couple of days, you know few days after 9-11 thinking yeah i love new york been there multiple times that's where i got the shirt and some mm-hmm. guy got super pissed off at me at bar and wanted to like punch me oh because he thought i was making fun making of new york fun and of i was it. like mm, you're not really getting it yeah but yeah that's just i wouldn't wear those shirts anymore and so it, was, it, it that that was like one of the last holdovers of my like ironic listening to uh you know the strokes yeah mid 90s guy yeah wow that's fascinating mm. thank you for sharing you're welcome, Jeff. <laughs> okay. All right. Michael, what's your second? My second one is the notification I got from my iPad from the Game Center telling me that I've raked up 24 hours of playing solitaire. Oh, wow. It was really depressing. Why is that number important? Because it's a day? It's an enti- It's A day you'll never get back. It's an entire day I'll never get back playing a game that is so synonymous with just uselessness, <laughs> which just it goes nowhere. And it made me think of playing video games in general is kind of useless. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing a game like Legend of Zelda, 
there's a quest. You're trying to beat the game. Yeah. Uh, and it's like if you play like, you know, like one of the longer Zelda games, you know, you can log 40 hours, 50 hours just exploring the game and doing yeah. things and not caring that you're wasting time. If you're playing a game like Columns or Tetris or like Puzzle Bobble where there's no end, mm-hmm. you're just playing a game. And yeah. that weird notification uh, that was so specific, it, and it was like a congratulations. <laughs> There's nothing to congratulate on playing solitaire on your iPad for yeah. a solid yeah. day. And to think back of, it made me think back of all the days playing games like that growing up where I'd play on the Genesis or the mm-hmm. Super Nintendo, the games that don't go anywhere, they don't yeah. mean anything. And it'd just be like, Oh, can I have those days back? <laughs> can I have those hours or those 30 minutes? What would you do with that time? I don't know. Okay. I mean, right now I have, a, you know. You have a child coming. A child. I mean, the, the sad thing is that I re-ranked, re-racked up these hours playing this game while like me and my wife were like watching TV, yeah. just like hanging out on the couch, listening to music, not really doing anything mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. But the fact that I now have this identifier as a day. Yeah, it was like made me put down the device and be like, "Oh, let's let's go on a walk with the dogs." Yeah, let's do that right now instead of this. Your options were innumerable, and you chose to play a stupid game that's synonymous for being having nothing to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's the game that you play when you're bored with Minesweeper. Yeah, basically. basically. Yeah. Or the plane isn't going to land for like three more hours, and you've stopped reading that magazine. Or something. I mean, it's weird because like you know, for the the Apple free solitaire game. Mm-hmm. Like the only challenge is to beat it faster. So you just kind of find ways to oh, play I, solitaire faster. It's sort of like an, almost like an automated sort of like a, you know, what do they call it? When they're trying to figure out how, or we're trying to figure out like how humans can do simple interactions faster. Oh, okay. that whole sort of like, a, I, yeah, like, I, I had this, I had like this, uh, like jigsaw puzzle app too. On your, you know, for your mm-hmm. iPad or your phone or whatever, and you can select a picture and whatever you put <laughs> on there. They're using and these incredible devices to, I know, make, for doing to make something stuff. Amish people sell on the road. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I I, st- I used to start out the I, when I would play it, I start out and put the okay to the edge tiles like yeah. you do a normal jigsaw puzzle, and then I discovered oh you can just stack all the tiles on top of each other, and just like then once you've moved all of the tiles from from your like available column just onto the playing board you could just start moving a tile around and it automatically like clicks into place when it's supposed to link up oh. so you figured out how, figured I, out how to cheat, cheat a jigsaw puzzle yeah is what you're saying <laughs> cheat at puzzles it's sad it's sad and like playing playing solitaire is very uh-huh. sad and to have a day gone is and then very sad and also how excited you get when you actually beat your record or whatever it is it's you're crazy. trying to do it's so stupid let me ask you this yeah well what were you thinking in the background of doing this? Like when I play solitaire, there it's not always the front of you. It's kind of something you're kind of doing. It's almost like a mental thumb twiddling or something where you're maybe pondering another subject. Honest, a lot of the times it's like Emily and I will come home and we'll put on music. Yeah. And you'll do that thing where you're, you're just flipping through Facebook or flipping through Twitter or Reddit or like mm-hmm. one of those other meaningless social apps. And then I would get to the point where it's like, well, I'm caught up on Twitter. There's no, yeah. there's no new news coming yeah, out. Yeah. 
or we Trump just... has a Trump has a tweet tweet tweeted in the last thirty <laughs> minutes. Yeah, and then I would just sit there, just like, all right, well, I guess I'll play a game, or like Emily would play a game on her on her device, and yeah, I just it would have been fine. It would have been fine. Yeah, if that notification didn't pop up. Yeah, did that notification did that notification make you a better person to stop playing that game as much? A little bit though. There you go. So it, maybe it did its job. Maybe it wasn't supposed to be a congratulations. It was a warning from the future. I hope so. <laughs> Your own little Christmas carol. Mankind was my business. <laughs> now it's solitaire. <laughs> solitaire. Richard. All right, second banana second sticker one? for me. Hold on. <laughs> Put this right next to the other one. Richard, I still see has zero banana stickers. That's okay. Um, my second one was this last election. Hmm. Ah, I, okay, had, yeah. I had thought of this. For a very a long while. It, yeah, that was not a fun night I in the old uh, Manfredi Reeve household. Not not to sway the judge anyway. I didn't know if this counted as people. Because I, I, for me, I was collectively disappointed in the people. Well, I, I, th- I thought the, yeah. but, the person but breaking your I, heart was more like girlfriend. I, I, I get, I get I, no, I, I, you know, Shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it was an election, an election. Like, there was also the... The popular vote. There's a whole mechan- the yeah, the machinations yeah. of, it of was, democracy. It was really depressing. It was really heartbreaking. No, yeah. I, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. Yeah, no, I I remember going to vote in the morning and being super like just you know cock of the walk. I did my job. Democracy going good. You know, just felt 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 good to be an American, be able there, to cast your a, vote. There was a we got this amongst Democrats, yeah. I think at the time, yeah. uh, and, and apparently amongst the Clinton camp, Clinton camp a yeah. bit too much. You said clitoris campaign. I would have voted for that. Shit, I you think Trump would have. He would have just grabbed it. He would have grabbed it. Thank you. Um, and then it was like, remember getting home from work early and starting to watch the early results roll in. And, you know, you got the results on the TV. I had the computer with a 538 and the New York Times and all this other stuff. And just watching it and going, okay, well, hmm. So those early counties in Florida, that could have been a little stronger for Hillary, but I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Huh, those counties should have come in a little... Uh-oh. Yeah. And there was that one, just that one point when you started to look at the map, and it was just like, I realized it before my wife did. And so I kind of had like the... She's going to lose this fucking looks over. Wow. She's done. I'd never been to like an election party. Mm -hmm. We were at a friend's house at an election party. We were making pizzas, homemade pizzas, and you know, having some drinks and feeling good, and just hanging out with a bunch of people. And yeah. more people kept streaming in, and then that dawning realization that, like, oh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I would. I mean, okay, yeah. f- okay, Florida, Florida would have been great. Well, you need Pennsylvania. You're gonna get Pennsylvania. So that's. Oh. Maybe Ohio. Will say, oh. Wait, Michigan. Michigan. It kept going. At one point, I went to go get tacos for the family because that, nothing goes better than tacos in desperation during <laughs> an election viewing. And I just remember leaving and just coming back and, and walking in the door and feeling like this is going to be bad when I walk in. And it was just, oh, oh my God, I think they've lost. Oh, I think she lost Ohio. And I had kind of just I, by that point, I had kind of resigned myself to it. And Sarah was still more optimistic about it. So every time I would talk about it, like, she's not going to win. There's no way. Look at the math. She got, like, really mad at me for a little bit. Just, like, be quiet. I don't know. It's not helping to say that. Like, well, I've already, I've moved on from the uh, first couple of stages of uh, grief over this. Mm -hmm. Of course, it doesn't help that my father-in-law is a 
big time conservative and lives with us. Yeah. And was just kind of sitting there in his seat watching this with a kind of the smile of the cat who ate yeah. the canary. Yeah. Do you, do you feel it more probably, I know parents with young, younger kids that they, um, our friend Alex Gradet, uh, who are currently in a pod. Not really a friend. <laughs> our pod feud enemy, Alex Gradet, has a lot of comments that I think are through the lens of a parent. Right. Yeah. And, you know, is as if there aren't many other reasons to be upset about the the tr- the events that have happened but you kind of think of yourself as the guy who can provide tacos and a good america for your kid <laughs> only one both. or the other apparently yeah. tacos yeah. or a good america yeah. no i i do remember because vivian kids have been to sleep by that point and i remember just thinking i think i actually told sarah do we wake her and tell her now or do we wait till the morning and mm-hmm. like ruin her morning and have her like be pissed off all day at school and I think that's what we did. And apparently there was – her teacher had to stop the kids because at one point there was a protest that m- was marching past oh, their school. All right. Was, right. March- was marching past their school, and the kids saw it and wanted to go out there and join the protest. Hmm. And the teacher had to be, no, we're not going to do that. Let's get back to our, like, math class or whatever it was. Yeah, it was a rough day. We we left that party before it was called. We yeah. just, like – Emily was – Physic like I was upset. Emily was physically upset. Mm-hmm. Cried on the way home, and we yeah, just got home. It was just like it was just gross. It was gross. Couldn't believe it. Uh, mad I, at America. Mad at people. Just people. Just how could you guys be this yeah, stupid? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, um, you get two banana stickers, Richard, for that one. There you go. Thing. You guys. We're all tied up with stickers. Let's bring it in. Let's have a hug right now. Let's bring it in. That's my butt. Oh, that was so soft. No, no. There's no muscle down there. To the left. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we are at halftime. We care about what you think, and we care about what you feel, the Mount Rushmore podcast. And we'd like to know what you feel about the Mount Rushmore podcast. Go on to iTunes, download, rate, and review uh, current and past episodes. Join our Facebook community by going to uh, the Mount Rushmore thing on Facebook. A previous one or two contributors on the Mount Rushmore Facebook page have actually become participants in the podcast. So that doesn't have to happen to you. You can just go down and uh, put your input on stuff. Yeah, we're not going to force you to come on the show. You will be on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so um, also there's Instagram and Twitter, but I wouldn't waste your time with that. We're back. What? No, do waste your time on it. <laughs> Please, we waste our time on it. You should do. There's Instagram and Twitter, which are wonderful communities uh, spreading lots of good information and fabulous way to press the heart button and heart the post for a Mount Rushmore podcast. Nailed it. My name is Jeff Hopkins and it's my job to make you feel better. I, I'm a 100% board certified listener. Okay. And I give, we have a hundred percent certified board listeners right now. <laughs> there are board <laughs> listeners. Oh, let's wake them up. Okay. Wake up you guys. We're back. And uh, Michael is going to talk about his third thing that broke his heart. Uh, the third thing is pizza. Oh, uh, enough with the pizza. Uh, you and the pizza again, Michael. When people choose to order from a fast food place instead of from a local joint, uh, when the option is right there and it's going to be better. And is it? It is. Little Caesars is pretty good. You Michael. know Joe Peeps oh, has like a C in the window there. You know you that, guys right? have really, I mean. It's pretty good. And I, you get the, cra- do you get crazy bread at, at, at your local place? Okay. Do you? No, this, this, this hasn't been done before. But Richard, as the Duke of Pizza Club, uh-huh. 
revoked. Oh, <laughs> wow. And our next meeting we're going to have in 27 years, I am going to appeal this. Well, listen, you can have your, your coup then, but right now it's revoked. What what kind of choice does someone make? Is it is it an uninformed choice or yes. you think they're informed and they just... No. Ju- okay. They are... Uh, Stupid. <laughs> they're just... It's, it's an un caring and an unthoughtful voice is it's it, is it lazy it's lazy let me it's, ask you this are you this what what about chinese food what about filipino food what about ethiopian cuisine would you have a discernible taste in one of those have oh yes i would rather go i would rather go to the ethi the the, the dry ethiopian fast food, fast the fast food, food. oh man <laughs> uh ethi ethi so uh pizza has been a big part of my life i think it's a big part of everybody's life it's just it's yeah. ubiquitous with Hanging out, having friends, yeah. doing things together, and sharing a pizza. We've talked about it a little bit. If there was one former, if there was one like uh, Mount Rushmore that I'd like to redo, um, not by for, by being forced to do one, but the Mount Rushmore of snobs. Oh, Dad. is to go back and put the uh, like the New York pizza snobs on there who think that only their pizza is any good. It's the water, Michael. That's uh, right. Okay, we got that snobs. So the point is, is that uh, I ran a pizza club here in L.A. for, what, five, six, eight years? A long time. We, we sat down one time after it was, we hadn't done it for a while. Yeah. And how many places did we go to? In L.A., we had gone to 120-something places. Oh, wow. Every other week for, like, six years. Yeah, I got yeah. invited, like, two of those. That's awesome. You were on the email list for <laughs> most of them. You got invited. <laughs> you showed up for two That's of them. That's right. Anyway, so we've done our due diligence on pizza. In uh-huh. L.A. And we would try to go to a new place almost every time. Yeah. And we found that it was a tremendous bell curve. There's a few crappy places. There's a few great places. Mm-hmm. A lot of really good places and some kind of mediocre whatever places. But in almost every part of the city, there are great places to eat pizza. Sometimes it's a little more expensive. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not. Sometimes it's just this random w- hole in the wall yeah. that is really good. That's just your local place that is just like, wow, that's really good pizza. And it's always a bummer to go to someone's house and they're like, let's order pizza. It's like, okay, I'm in the zone. You can just ask me yeah. where to order from and we can order there. And uh, okay, so I guess Pizza Hut's fine. Uh-huh. And it is fine. It's it's not bad. What separates this? Okay, obviously this is personal. Yeah. Um, but like, what separates? Are you this way with wine? No, pizza. Okay, if somebody was like this with wine, what one thing that I think might differentiate is wine. But but there aren't. But you you can't. You don't go to like a. Lo, you don't. There isn't like fast food wine place that you go to or order. Well, from. there's like two, two, a liquor store. Two, yeah, two buck chuck. I, I I guess so. But like, does any? How would you feel about somebody who? You're being a pizza snob right now. Sure, kind of. No, I'm saying that there is better choices available that's local. And I that, that that people seem there seems to be a thing that people do where they opt for the easiest rather yes. than okay. rather than opting for like trying something mm-hmm. in in your local neighborhood that's yeah. good. Often wine the barrier to access for wine is financial. With sure. pizza it's not that's not the case. Sure. I mean, yeah. I, I can understand if there's a big party and you want to get a bunch of medium pizzas and they're all six bucks each. Mm-hmm. Well, or whatever that that like you go to a party like that and you that doesn't that's fine. That doesn't. But like if you're going over in your but order, then there's stuff like our friend Tyler. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but who orders for Domino's because he likes the tracker. 
Sure. Like, it's oh. obsessed with that. Oh. Borderline, I would say. Like, the fact that, that they have that stupid, like... Mm-hmm. I said it, stupid, Tyler. You can fight me now that you've got a broken arm. Hmm. Arm in a sling. <laughs> um, a thing that says, like, your order's been placed, and yeah. you can see it sort of, like, track through, like, it's the, with the delivery driver. Uh, it's it's a cool app. Unfortunately, you get mediocre pizza at the end for something that's yeah a little bit cheaper than what you'd get from whoever, Mister mm-hmm. Neighborhood Pizza. Let me ask you that would this: be a great name, do for you, Mister Neighborhood Pizza? Mister Neighborhood Pizza would be a great name for a pizza good. Place. Do you think that you bemoan the lack of discerning taste that other people have? Because I'll, I'll tell you, from for my my pizza palate is not as as discernible. I can't discern great. From just good. A uh, little secret. It all tastes the same. It all okay. <laughs> so I pull the curtain back. It's so it's, it's all it's okay. all flour. And Maybe you just well, the people aren't exercising their options. I think so. Yeah. I I I guess I get kind of heartbroken when people don't. Is, don't. It, is it more like a brand name versus like not supporting the little guy is who's it, like? Maybe there's yeah. a li- maybe there's a little, but maybe it it it's also too is. If you have, like, maybe with a group of friends, if you've come to a pizza club and you know that you've gone and had good pizza, and then your your default option is like, oh well, I'll just order from Pizza Hut. Yeah. Just like, uh, yeah. Okay. We yeah. Could, we should do a we could do a Rushmore of great pizza club moments. Uh, that's that's <laughs> not really. <laughs> not really. Well, what's it gonna be? I had a good slice. <laughs> yeah, that slice is really good. One time, someone tried to pay with a check. Yeah, who's gonna relate to that? All right, uh, Richard. Uh, so my third one is banana pepper sticker for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my third one, and, and and Sarah thought I would do all sports ones when I asked her about this. I, I limited myself to one. Um, can you really get that broken up over sports? Mm, can mm. especially when it's America. No, there we go, Michael. Uh oh, we're talking Mer- American flag sticker over here for yeah. this one. Yeah, it's the 2002 World Cup uh, quarterfinals, U.S. versus Germany. So the United States had made it to the quarterfinals for the first time, well, the first time and the only time so, so far in their history. And it was just a fun thing to watch the team do this. And as someone who had followed the team, you know, pretty much my whole life from the time when they weren't good enough to even qualify for the World Cup. You had that ironic shirt back then. Yeah. <laughs> U.S. soccer, fresh, hot, and not ready. <laughs> that um, it was just, it was, you know, it was just this amazing thing to watch. They got out of the group. They got let, and then they wound up um, getting drawn against Mexico in their first knockout game, which was an incredible break for us because it's a team we knew well and we knew we could beat, and we did. Uh, so then we get up against Germany in the quarterfinals, and um, argu- arguably outplay them for most of the first half, but they score a goal on a kind of free kick. Um, in the second half, there's a, a shot that's taken. Um, Keeper it makes the initial save, but then the ball kind of goes off his hand and starts rolling towards the goal, or kind of bounces in the air towards the goal. And the German defender, Torsten Frings, um, has his body, tries to hit it with his body, but it winds up hitting his arm, which is kind of like half sticking out of his, away from his body. And the referee decides not to uh, call a penalty on that. Because oh. if he it would have been a penalty kick, which almost always gets converted. It would have been 1-1. Score would have been tied in the second half, and then what if we want wind up losing one zero into the kind of road for the uh, U.S. soccer team at that time? And I was watching that because those those games were in South Korea and Japan that World Cup, 
And so with the time difference, I think the game started like at, uh, I want to say like 11.30. And then the second game was like it started like, I think I, 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 I think I got to that game like at 2 in the morning to go watch it at the Staples Center. They actually op- opened the Staples Center to have let fans come in for free and like eat oh, a free breakfast to watch the game. And so it's one thing to be disappointed watching a sporting event. It's another thing to wake up at like 2 in the morning. <laughs> To be disappointed watching a sporting event. And then it's a totally different thing to be disappointed at 2 a.m. watching a sporting event with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of other people yeah. who are now also very disappointed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the, the fact that it kind of happened in this sort of questionable way, like, mm-hmm. you know, Germany being the big soccer power wound up getting this call that went for them. You know, you always kind of wonder, you know, did the United States not get that call because they're, they're the U.S. and yeah. there's some sort of keep the little guy down and i realized how ironic i'm <laughs> saying keeping the little guy down when we're uh, talking about the u.s mm-hmm. also saying we a lot got a problem with that mm-hmm. well, I, we, I i don't say we with sports teams except for the except for u.s the teams. u.s that's yeah. all that's that's all us it says we the hundreds of people who enjoy soccer hey hey now in, you said your words <laughs> no in the staples center okay. at two in the morning mm-hmm. that day but it was and it was just like i said it, it becomes one of those great what if things like, yeah you know what if they'd gone to penalty kicks? What if, you know, if it's mm-hmm. 1-1, maybe we score another goal and then we would have played South Korea in the semifinals and we'd already tied South Korea in the group stage. So we very easily could have won that game. And, you know, one call goes your doesn't go your way. And next, you know, it could have been in a World Cup final. Right. So that was sort of my uh, real introduction into the, uh, what would be the heartbreak of the soccer. And heartbreak. So- yeah, and soccer really is... I, for for whatever reason, it's the type of sport that I think can break your heart mm-hmm. probably more than any other sport. Is it the low scoring the, that every point means so much? Is it what it is? The They're return goals, not points. Sorry, dude. Soccer snob here. When, Sorry. When we play soccer, you call them points. <laughs> we call them. Yeah. Call them goal call score them points. Home they're, runs. Their goal points. <laughs> score points. Jeff just scored a point against a mosquito hawk that is invading our studio. How horrible I am! Jeff it was is, interested Jeff, from my hand. I missed it. Jeff is up one nothing. I'm one nothing against the moth. The moth. You you are a big supporter of fringe sports or or emerging sports or sports outside of the mainstream. Yeah, um, you know, with soccer, you mentioned why I, I I do think it is partially, you know, the fact that yeah, there isn't a lot of scoring, but I think. Were the U.S. to win, that might uh, build a bigger fan base for soccer. It would have probably, it would have, I think, possibly drastically changed the landscape for U.S. soccer. And for me, it's it's fun. I think partially, it's fun to be able to root for the United States in a sport where we're not the overwhelming favorite. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice not to be to go in there and not be like watching the Olympics and swimming where you know like Michael Phelps is going to win like 12 gold medals and someone else is you know. Sure, yeah. or basketball where it's just it's, a, Doesn't it's matter. game yeah. over. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice that this is the biggest sport in the world and we're still kind of the underdogs. Yeah, I, I get the irony of it, but it's still kind of nice to be able to support that and, you know, support the fact that when you go to a soccer game, it is a very diverse crowd. I'm part of the American Outlaws Los Angeles and our membership, it's, you know, super diverse in terms of ethnicities yeah. and just backgrounds and you even get see that, that outlaws Los Angeles plug money yeah <laughs> to cash and you know, it, so I think it's just 
you know, it's it's something that you that you wind up getting invested in more than just the sport. Mm-hmm. It really felt like America lost that day. Yeah. Wow. Here's a, a little soccer ball that says right. just kicking it. All right. Cool. Yeah. Take it. Uh, all right, uh, Michael, what's your final My final choice? thing is uh, selling my comic book collection Oh, when I was in my mid-30s. Oh. To make rent and pay some bills. Oh, wow. Oof. It was such a personally depressing moment to mm-hmm. get to a point where I just either managed my money not right or had extra expenses mm-hmm. and you had to look to like the one place where I could turn to where it's like, okay, I can get some money off of this and yeah. I turn to the. 3,500 comics that I was collecting oh, wow. from oh 1991 until mm-hmm. 2004 or 5. At least they were probably all shitty, right? Ah, no, I mean, I still Yeah, Casper, full run <laughs> Casper, full <laughs> run Wind of the Witch. Cracked magazine. I, I had, you know, I had, you know, full first run of a ton of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it was right in the heyday of the early 90s kind of image boom. And mm-hmm. when, you know, when Superman died... On Superman number 75, uh-huh. that comic immediately shot up to, I don't know, it was like 25 bucks the second day. And I remember my dad was sending me like, oh, maybe it was when uh, uh, when the creator of Superman died. He sent me an article. But like there was like, suddenly there was like this, there was like buzz on TV. Like it was, there was TV shows, news was talking about Superman dying and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of speculation that comics were going to, you know, go sky high. Yeah. I sold these 3,500 comics for 300 bucks. Oh, wow. I got like virtually nothing for them. Right. Oh, wow. And it was a weird, crazy realization of like, oh, yeah, the stuff that you hang on to that you think is going to be this mint that you're put your, you know, your identity is built on for the longest time is like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you're the comic book guy in high school. Or yeah. You're, you're spent weeks, you know, every week on Wednesday, you go down and you, grab the comics off of the pull list and Mm -hmm. you make your pilgrimage and read comics every week and you spend 10 to 20 bucks a week on comics. And this was a potential career path for you too. Oh yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent thought that I was going to college and I was going to be an artist and I was going to go into comics. And that was, I mean, Mm -hmm. I can talk about a realization of like, Oh, I'm not interested in this after two years, but to like sell all of like your, these weird things that I'd lugged around for years. I'd lugged boxes of comics. How many places had you moved your comics to? From, let's see, from a house, like from the, the valley. Okay. So I'd moved them from like the valley to college. That's one. Santa mm-hmm. Barbara. Moved yeah. them to a couple different places in Santa Barbara. Right. Moved them up to Seattle. Moved back to LA. Moved from LA a place in LA to another place. So like, you know, you'd moved with them as many times as I'd moved with that Billy bookcase <laughs> from our Ikea episode. I mean, I'd practically moved with, with, you know, this collection of comics and those mm-hmm. are, they're things that like, what made me think of it the other day, actually, even last night was my friend, Eric uh, posted something on Facebook where he reminded me of this. There is this comic magazine called wizard, the guide to comics. And back in 1994, there was like a scavenger hunt. 
and we entered it together and we collected a bunch of like garbage. Like it was like weird things to send in like a pog or like uh-huh. a Captain Carrot. And this was what it was, a Captain Carrot and his amazing Zoo Crew comic. That we sent it in this bundle and sent it in. And they sent us back like a single episode, a single issue of like a Amazing Spider-Man comic signed. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was this weird kind of like dawning real- realization that like, oh my God, I had all these great memories and things. I didn't really look at them anymore. They were in my closet. I had yeah. read them. And it wasn't until I sat down and made a list to put on uh, Craigslist right. of what I was being sold. And like I have the spreadsheet still. And it's like a weird like, oh, there was like, you know, a decade and a half, 15 years worth of memories mm-hmm. and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars spent. And then it's all traded in for, you know, 10 cents a piece, basically, pennies yeah. on the dollar. It's hard. I kind of had that. Um, recently I had, had uh, gone back home to my family's home and my sister had a bunch of stuff that she had found for me. Um, mainly there were baseball cards mm. and I was a baseball card guy. I think the same way that you were a comic book guy, I was a baseball card guy. And that was the same thing in the eighties, early nineties, the, uh, you know, baseball cards were going to be the next great commodity, right? Like, you know, rookie cards were going for hundreds of dollars of certain players and, you know, the, the error cards and all that kind of stuff. I had bought a box. Somehow I'd saved and bought a box of 1990 score mm-hmm. with a black and white bow, thinking that that was going to be... You're, you're, you're going to make some money off of that. Yeah no. yeah, no chance. So she got... And I had, you know, just boxes and they were cataloged and had, like, by team. And she said, well, do you want it? Want these? And I looked through them and I'm just like, I don't... I vaguely remember who these players are. Yeah. Um, I got excited because I found a Barry Bonds rookie card. Oh. Went and looked up how much it was worth. So I, th- I was thinking, well, that one's got at least got to be worth four, like four bucks, what it was worth. So like, yeah, I don't care. Just I, I think I wound up just taking it just because I wanted to sure. get it off my sister's hands. So it's it's going to sit in my garage probably for the next decade. It's a weird. It's a weird thing to. I mean, too, that there is a air of collectability that is pumped into you going to a comic store or a baseball card store and, yeah. like, you know, years of going to comic book conventions and picking up back issues and filling up your collection. And then you think that it's worth something. And there's this weird, just a lack of value. It, you know, it's all in the eye of the beholder. And maybe if I'd held on to it for a little while, I mean, that's 100% is always the mindset of holding on to things. Like, maybe if I held on to it for another year or maybe if i didn't have rent to pay that month uh, i could have sold these piecemeal one by one but like you get to the point where you're like i just gotta get rid of all this emotion Mm -hmm. like it's emotional baggage that you're just dragging around at this point it's just memories it's like i still read amazing spider-man number 322 i still remember all of it i still remember the exact comic that we got back for that scavenger hunt. And it was just like, I got it. It's in there. I, uh-huh. I know every panel. I, you know, I yeah. remember all that stuff. So it's, 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 it's there in it's, your heart. It's yeah. there in your heart and your head, but not, you know, worth any, anything. Oh my God. Don't collect comic book guys. Guys, this or don't is collect so comic emotional. Book guys. You know what, Jeff, you are reading comic books on like a Marvel app. Yeah. That uh, is a hundred percent the best way to do it. Cause yeah. you just have pay 10 bucks a month. Yeah. And you have all this access and you could read anything you want all over any, any time. It's great. They're all, uh, can't um, wait to get that Marvel mint in wrapper. Yeah. They're all, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you also, you know, that uh, what do we call? I think we've mentioned like golden era syndrome in the past. How things, things that survive probably in their print form, comics that survive in their print form, all have this are also classic and wonderful. 
but the shitty ones were thrown away. Yeah. <laughs> There's so few on that Marvel app. I was just looking at uh, Shanna the She-Devil. There's like Night Nurse, all these horrible, horrible that comics. That sounds sexy. <laughs> There's some awful, awful comics that are in there. And I mean, it was, I, I remember going through it too. I'll, I'll put a final button on this. And going back and just really judging my 17-year-old self, my 16-year-old self being like, I can't believe you paid three fifty for this comic book. This is <laughs> yeah. art's terrible. The story's stupid. None, yeah. none of this is good. You just bought it because it was new and because it was in it was in Wizard. Look at the cover. <laughs> the guy can't even draw feet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How'd you know I was talking about Brigade? <laughs> just Brigade number just a one. Guess. Wow. I I feel like there's a lot of growing happening, a lot of sharing, and I feel like we're kind of stepping out of our shells, shedding our skin, and getting to the new us that would be horribly hurt by something new. The, uh, <laughs> Ripping open scabs. Yeah. I'm going to pretend this newest banana banana sticker yeah. is a snakeskin sticker. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Here's a Spider-Man just, just swinging in. Uh, I got no good Spider-Man rift. Okay, Richard, let's wrap S- it up. So my last one, um, I was... Uh, junior year of high school. Actually, I take it back. It was sophomore year. Of take high that back. <laughs> take it back. You take it. Take you it. You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, sophomore year of high school. Um, so my best friends were all the guys where I was in. Basically, all all the drummers that were in jazz band with me. I played bass. Nice. And uh, the engine room, the rhythm section. We're the, we're the, the heart and soul. The heart and soul. Heart and soul of the Kingsburg <laughs> High Jazz Band. <laughs> And so it was, you know, we were all kind of the alternative rock kids anyway. And there's another friend of mine who played saxophone there. Um, and we had we had gotten tickets to go see New Year's Eve. It was like Primus and Mr. Bungle, which was oh, yeah. like a... Is it Mike Patton? Mike Patton's okay, like, yeah. like side project yeah. band. And then the Red Hot Chili Peppers were going to be playing a New Year's Eve show in, in somewhere in the Bay Area. And we got tickets to go see the show and uh, friends dad lived up there so we had we we're gonna stay with him and like stay up for a couple nights and go do shit in the city wow go see the show and you're six i'm 16 mm-hmm. you know and in this little shithole town no offense guys oh, this man. little shithole town i can almost see where this is going kingsburg, kingsburg yeah and it's, it's this is like the, be the first big boy like on my own kind of trip and literally the night before the morning that we were supposed to leave one of my friends rolls up to my house, comes over and says, hey, I just found out uh, they had to cancel the show. Uh, like somebody in one of the bands, I want to say like the drummer from Red Hot Chili Peppers got like mono or something. Mm. Or there, or got hurt. Or there's just something where one of the bands couldn't perform and then another band had something else come up and they uh, just like literally last minute called it off. There's a reason this isn't on your Mount Rushmore of best concerts I've been to. <laughs> yeah, that didn't just miss the cut. Oh. And so it was just like that thing, like, oh, are we going to go up? How late did you know? It was like the day of. Oh. Like, we were going to drive out that afternoon, like mm-hmm. that afternoon. And like, first thing in the morning, I think somebody came up and said, hey, show got canceled. Yeah. And we sat there for a bit trying to figure out, well, should we still go up anyway? Then it was like, well, no, I don't think my, I don't think a family is going to be happy if we go up and there's not really a show. It just turned in this whole like mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And so didn't get to go. Got oh. Stuck at home, New oh. Year's Eve gonna have you know the most bitchin' new year's eve of my 16 year old life oh god clearly get laid because yeah. you're 16 in san francisco on new year's eve yeah some clearly kind of clearly getting uh laid. 
manic pixie dream girl well, yeah, girl comes I, up to you and dances around it you. Could have been my Nick and Nora's infinite playlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, I wound up watching Dick Clark's rocking New Year's <laughs> Eve with my family eating. You know, is that the Red Hot Chili Peppers on there? Wait, <laughs> Wait a, a second! second. Wait a oh, goddamn minute! I fucking knew it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So that was that was. I, I stewed about that one for a really long time. And it was just like that, that feeling at the time, like, I'm never getting out. Oh. God doesn't want me to leave, even for a weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be stuck here forever. Oh, wow. Well, that's a uh, Take that fate. Thank yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so I turned that around. I eventually turned that around, obviously. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was just like this. Could you turn that back around and head <laughs> out of here? <laughs> but um, I'm sure you could probably see that same lineup in a show like, at the, at the Star- state fair. At the state fair. <laughs> Mid state fair. Who's that one guy in the middle just dancing like nobody's business? That old guy. <laughs> that old guy. Hey, were you maybe going to go see that show in the, the 91? <laughs> or they got canceled? <sighs> hey, you're the guy who got mono. Yeah. <laughs> rushing the stage. But yeah, it was it just sucked. Yeah. Just really sucked. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank you guys for the amount of sharing that's happened. You know, we've been doing this podcast for 60-some episodes. And I thought you were going to say 60-some years. 60-some years. It, it feels, feels like It that. feels like it. And I feel like this is the first time that we've lowered the veil of thick irony that um, glazes every syllable that comes out of our mouths and really talk to each other. There's a lot of good eye contact. Uh-huh. And there's, I think, a lot of good sharing. Mm-hmm. Richard, your heartbreaks were, I think, around experiences that you might have shared with other people. I found that fascinating or that you did share. So it was whether it was an election night party or there was in the Staples Center or the concert, they were really centered around experiences other than the cat pissing on your shirt. Well, that's was, an experience. That's an experience. Well, you did ask your wife to smell it. So yeah, that's like you did, thing, share, yeah. you did share it. And uh, Michael, I felt like a lot of your um, moments of loss were surrounding things that you have accumulated or given value to over time. Whether it's a collection of information about pizza or a collection of comic books or um, collecting the minutes and hours and a full day that you played this useless game that uh, is a horrible game, Solitaire. Um, Or the knowledge that you collected about dinosaurs and then only to have science come around and deem it to be all completely invalid. Fucking science. Stupid science. Um, The last thing I'm going to share... um, is a audition I had. It was my my final year of this is this is a thing that broke my heart. Um, I had my first film audition for the movie Mr. and Mrs. Bridge, and I got to audition for Ivory of Merchant Ivory. The role was a 21 year old male student at the University of Kansas. I was a 21 year old male student at the University of Kansas. I was convinced I was going to get this part and have scenes opposite the salad dressing guy, Paul Newman. Wait, I, I was trying to think of who it was, like Mr. Wishbone? <laughs> Otz. <laughs> Larry Otz. Um, and guess what? I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Uh, I went back to my job of repairing Birkenstocks. And I, <laughs> what? <laughs> you can't just throw oh, that in. That was my day uh, job. Time out. Time Jeff, out. Jeff Casco is the best place. <laughs> the weirdest thing. Was it just Birkenstocks? It was just yes, just Birkenstocks. It was a Birkenstock sandal store in Lawrence, Kansas, the hippie stronghold of uh, Kansas. 
And I thought, what type, wait, wait, what type of what type of do you have like blowouts or is it just sort of like more loose straps? What were the common oh, Birkenstock? It would be a strap issues? repair. It mostly was the cork footbed that needed to be repaired. Perhaps uh-huh. the new buck needed to be sanded. I can't believe we've yada yada past the film to to the <laughs> shoe repair. Guys, I thought sharing was going to be helpful, but instead, sharing has to you guys has just brought criticism from me. No, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were a great okay. Birkenstock repairman and a shitty actor. That's what it turned out to be, and uh, it took a lot of the wind out of my sails as a young aspirant in the field of thespianism. But you know what? Today I do. I put on a Batman costume. Yeah. <laughs> so guess who won? Thumbs in purple velvet gloves pointing <laughs> at this guy right here. <laughs> But it's not about me. It's about us and the things that we've shared over this last year on the Mount Rushmore podcast and what we've shared in this room. And I think a lot of growth and a lot of healing has happened. And I want to do something. I want to give you equal amount of points. I want to each give you two points. Okay. But I'm asking you to take those points like any material possession and just throw them away. Okay. On three, you have the points. It's your choice. You okay. have the points. Let me see. hold the points up in the air. Mm-hmm. One. Two, three. You both <laughs> held on to your points. I don't trust him to yeah. throw away his points. Okay. No, I know a, this guy. Yeah, okay. He wasn't throwing away his points. For the record audience, neither of them <laughs> threw away their points. <laughs> no way. Those points are going to mean something. Back what, idiot. Point. I mean, come on. This isn't, this isn't like a pissed on catcher. What I did think was interesting. My hands are still balled up as if I'm holding these <laughs> imaginary points. still gripping. Now you're just angry. Up. Now you look like you're ready to fight. We're going to fight. Gonna you're <laughs> grabbing at his points, trying to get his points out of his fists. <laughs> Um, what do you mean they're a metaphor? You can't hold a metaphor. <laughs> I, what I thought was really you interesting. May, you may take these points, but you'll never have my banana sticker. <laughs> this has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. The last sound you hear will be me trying to wrestle these points out of the hands of these guys. Give me your points. Give me your points. Come on, guys. Come on.